end of the year. The practice of New Year's resolutions goes back over 3,000 years to the ancient Babylonians. The ancient Babylonians made promises to their gods at the start of each year that they would return borrowed objects and pay their debts. The Romans began each year by making promises to the god Janus for whom the month of January is named. In the medieval era, the knights took the peacock vow at the end of the Christmas season each year to reaffirm their commitment to chivalry. And at watch night services on New Year's Eve, many Christians prepare for the year ahead by praying and making these resolutions. Now there are other religious parallels to this tradition. During Judaism's New Year, Rosh Hashanah, through the high holidays and culminating in Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, one is to reflect upon one's wrongdoings over the year and both seek and offer forgiveness. People may act similarly during the Catholic fasting period of Lent, though the motive behind this holiday is more of a sacrifice than of responsibility. In fact, the practice of New Year's resolutions partially came from the Lenten sacrifices. You know, people always give something up for Lent. You'll hear them saying that, even though most of them don't have a clue what they're talking about anyway. The concept, regardless of creed, is to reflect upon self-improvement annually, and that's why we do it. So basically, i just begun with a historical backdrop of where these New Year's resolutions came from. But there's something else that many of us want toward the end of the year. Something that a lot of us want. We just want it to be over with. What a year. I'm glad it's over with. Well, it's just another day starting is all it is. But a lot of us look at that. We look. There's an outlook, a new hope, a new beginning for a new year. We want to put the past behind us. We always hope that a new year will be better than a previous one that's about to fade into history. We vow to make things better in our lives and to change bad habits. We also proclaim with enthusiasm and promise that we're going to stick to the resolutions this year. Now, how many years in a row have you said that? I've said it many years in a row that I'm going to stick to them this year. But statistics show that only 10 to 12% actually keep and maintain their resolutions throughout the entire year that they made during the New Year's holiday. We vow to quit smoking, stop drinking, manage money more wisely, give more money to God, spend more time with family, lose weight, or rid ourselves of some deeper, more damaging sins that we are corrupted by. The problem with the vast majority of New Year's resolutions is that they're in relation to physical things. And that shouldn't be. And you say, well, okay, well... Maybe I'll pray more or read my Bible every day, attend church more regularly or give more to the church, which is in themselves admirable goals, if you mean it. However, the New Year's spiritual resolutions fail just as often as the physical ones because there's no power in a resolution unless you have the right motive, unless you have the right teacher and guide to help you. For example, why do you want to read the Bible every day? Is it to honor God and grow spiritually? Or is it so you can brag and look spiritual and religious to other people? Many people do that. It's the same reason a lot of people go to church. Oh, he goes to church, he's spiritual. Why do you want to lose weight? Is it to honor God with your body to serve Him longer? Or for vanity 
to honor yourself and heap the compliments and looks that you get from other people. A lot of people work out for vanity. Motive of the heart is everything. Ephesians 4, 22-24 says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. But this is so hard to do. Why? Well, the reason it's so difficult is because we're trying to do it and not let God do it for us. If you can get yourself out of the way, move and submit to the Holy Spirit, He will cleanse and purify the temple of God that you are. How many of you have forgotten that you're God's temple? We don't think of ourselves like that. Turn to 1 Kings 7. 1 Kings 7, verses 48 through 50. 1 Kings 7, 48 through 50 says, Thus Solomon had all the furnishings made for the house of the Lord, the altar of gold and the table of gold on which was the showbread. The lampstands of pure gold, five on the right side, five on the left in front of the inner sanctuary with the flowers and the lamps and the wick trimmers of gold. The basins, the trimmers, the bowls, the ladles, and the censers of pure gold and the hinges of gold, both for the doors of the inner room, the most holy place, and for the doors of the main hall of the temple. Now the first thing that we notice as we ascend the steps and enter the temple itself is that everything on the inside is gold. Everything from the altar, the table of showbread, the tin candlesticks, the tongs, bowls, snuffers, basins, spoons, the censers, and even the hinges for the doors of the temple proper and the most holy place, which is the inner house, were all made of gold. Even parts of the artwork upon the walls and doors were overlaid or fitted with much gold. The first thing to catch your eye when you enter to the porch, which had no doors, and approaching the temple doors would be the gold work in them. And these were but a small provision for what you were about to behold as the door swung open and the gold gleamed in the flood of light from the ten golden candlesticks with their dancing flames shining, reflecting and re-reflecting from gold to gold everywhere. These lamps were to be kept burning from evening to morning, i.e. during all hours of darkness. And these candlesticks were pure gold. This represents the purity and divinity of God and also represents the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. The symbolism of each one being beaten out of one solid piece of gold emphasizes the unity of the Godhead. The unity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The light of these lamps filling the temple and spilling out of the upper windows has but one meaning. In John 8.12, Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The temple, the symbol of God's presence in the world, and situated as it was upon the highest hill of Jerusalem, picture this, shed its light through the upper windows out into the darkness of the world. 
This was a visible sign of the presence of God under the Old Covenant, represented earlier by the tabernacle in the wilderness, and here by Solomon's temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The light is Jesus Christ who fulfilled the Old Covenant and established the New. Matthew 5.17, Christ said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. Christ told his disciples that they were the light of the world and gave them a command to let the light of God shine out through them for the entire world to see. Just as the world had seen the light of God symbolically pouring out of the windows of his temple and literally pouring out of Christ while he was here on earth. But Jesus knew that his days were numbered and that the temple of Jerusalem would soon be destroyed. Therefore, as he had replaced the temple as the presence of light of God in the world, so too was his church to replace him as the presence and light of God in the world after his own death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Matthew five fourteen sixteen. Jesus told us, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Christ promised that His church would never be replaced as God's light in the world until He came to take us out in the rapture. And then He would return to replace us with His own light once again. Matthew sixteen eighteen. He said, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now even though Solomon's temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD and the temple mount today is still waiting for the new Jewish temple to be rebuilt, it doesn't matter. God is still there. His presence is there just as His Holy Spirit is within you. It doesn't matter if your temple is broken down and in a heap of ruins. 1 Samuel 16, God tells Samuel, For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If the inside of you is pure gold and is radiating God's light to the outside world, that is what God seeks from us. 2 Corinthians 5, 1-7, please turn there. 2 Corinthians 5, 1-7 says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Your New Year's resolutions or any goals in your life have to be centered around Jesus Christ. You will never overcome or accomplish anything fully and be blessed by God until you give it fully to Him. 
Only then will you truly achieve for the glory of God that will shine through to others in your life. Now, me personally, I've overcome many things and vices in my life, but it was only through the power of Jesus alone. Only He can remove or rectify the problem through the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us. Now, there's things still in my life I haven't overcome because I've not let Christ take over. And I can kick myself all day long. Why haven't I done that? But I do, just as you guys do. There's things in your life that you just won't give over to God, and we don't know why. Why don't we? As we've seen the progression in our life of the things that God has helped us overcome. And some of these are smaller than those things, but we won't give them over to Him. Why? Why do we do that? And we keep walking this labyrinth, misplaced, confused, and what do we do? We end up back at the starting point. Over and over again. Only Jesus can release the chains that open the door to be free from the burdens and sins that beat us down constantly. We have to take it to God. Daily. In prayer. We have to read our Bible daily as well. Stephanie's teaching the kids this morning downstairs, and one of the things that she's teaching them about is reading your Bible, and she's telling them because the Bible reads you back. God's Word is living and breathing and powerful. When you read and study and ponder it, it will reveal to you the deficiencies in your life, and it will show you the correct measures to take to fix these problems. The thing is, a lot of us don't want to see that. We don't want to see what our deficiencies are, and we don't want to take the time to fix them. We'd rather just live with them or try to push them aside. Maybe they'll just go away, but we know they don't. In Solomon's temple, the golden altar of incense symbolized in all respects the Holy Spirit who takes our prayers to God. Also, we have the right to pray to God because we are at one with Him through the atonement blood, the blood of Christ through which we pray. Under the new covenant, we no longer need the physical golden altar in the temple, nor the incense burned upon it to carry our prayers to God. Instead, we are commanded to pray everywhere, and our prayers are carried to God directly by the Holy Spirit who indwells us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We have to look back and focus to where it all started. When Christ changed us for good, forever, when we were adopted sons and daughters of God when we gave our lives to Christ. Do you guys remember how on fire you were when you first became a Christian? How you wanted to take, take it to the world? But what happened? The same thing that Satan does with anybody that becomes a Christian. They beat them down and try to get them to shut up and not say anything else about Christ. But it doesn't work. Because people that seek God, what happens? As Satan is bombarding them and fighting with them and constantly coming at them, what happens at the end of that battle? The Christian stands on the other end stronger, knowing that they're victorious in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You can get that fire back. You just have to focus on God. 
You just have to read God's word. You just have to pray to God. You need to get your mind off of earthly things and get them on heavenly things. We spend the majority of the year doing things in our own strength, forsaking the fact that God is always reigning in our lives because of his sovereignty and foresight. Jeremiah 29, 11-13 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God tells us what to do. Right there. You know, my wife and I have had a very trying year. I know a lot of you have. You know, many transitions, trials, new opportunities, blessings and some things that we had hoped for, but they fell by the wayside. I know you guys can relate. But through it all, we just hold on to the hope and truth of what God says. In Isaiah 43, 18-19, he says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Put them behind you. This year is gone. Move on. Yesterday has gone. Ten minutes ago is gone. What I just said is gone. Keep going forward. You know, I have to stay focused on the fact that the bigger picture is not about me. In my current or future situation, it's not about me. God already has that planned out that will come to fruition no matter what. I just have to keep my eyes on Christ and stay Christ-centered in my life. As do you. You know, but we can't throw daily, weekly, monthly pity parties for ourselves and ever hope to achieve the plans God has for us. We do it and God is just waiting. Are you finished? And if we're not, are you finished? For not, and, and he'll wait. God created time. It doesn't affect him. We're the ones wasting our time feeling sorry for ourselves. We cannot walk with Christ if we keep the snares of the world bound around our bodies and spirits. And that's exactly what we do when we start feeling sorry for ourselves. Lamentations three twenty two through twenty four says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. What comfort knowing that we can wrap ourselves every day in His full grace because of His mercy and love for us because it never ends. Every day is new. Every day. No matter how bad your day is today. All the stuff that... Norman, I know you've had a rough morning, but you know what? There's still a lot of day left. And tomorrow's a new day. There's going to be a lot of Christians in this world hiding or running for their lives because they're Christians. That people are, going, are trying to kill them because of their faith in God. I'd say they're having a lot worse day than any of us have. We just have to look at it, you know, that any day that ends in darkness is always followed by the piercing beautiful presence of the light of God permeating across the skies of our lives. It illuminates from the windows of our souls because the light of our temple is the light of the Holy Spirit that is living within us. We have hope in Christ now and hope in Christ that is still to come. Revelation 21.4 He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. 
Neither shall there be mourning, crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. We have hope now, we have hope in the future. And if we die, we are with Jesus, and none of this pertains to us anymore. We're home. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also He has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God is our controller, our Father, our Savior. He has everything in the palm of His hand, and with that care and dedication we can accomplish anything. And in turn we give that glory back to Him for what He's doing for us. Psalm 121, 1 and 2 says, I lift my eyes to the hills, From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We should not just look forward to the new year, but look forward to the fact of walking another year with Jesus. We should look forward to the fact that each day we are one day closer to His return or to going home with Him. We win either way. Either He's going to come get us or He's going to take us up there to be with Him now. We should look forward to the fact that each day is a blessing that brings more wisdom and peace in knowing that each storm in our life is only for a season. We're told that they're only for a season. Eventually the rains cease, and as is the storms, so are the seasons of creation of God. He controls them all. Be comforted in that fact that any pain that you're going through physically, that's not going to last forever. That's temporary. Any situation in your life that you're going through, it's all temporary. This life is all temporary. Christians have to be looking at the eternal. Forever is a lot longer than just this life now. A lot longer. So we do what we can here. Isaiah forty thirty one says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalm 102.25 Of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. With that knowledge, with that knowledge, we should have no doubt whatsoever that God can help us overcome or accomplish anything. But we have to seek Him and follow and want to be in fellowship with Him. Matthew 7.7 What did Jesus say? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. But why would God answer the door if we're not knocking? How do we expect to find if we're not seeking? How will it be given if we don't ask? Do you ask specifically to God what you want? Are you persistent in your prayer? There's nothing wrong with being persistent in prayer. Remember the parable? of the judge that was irritated by the woman that was persistent, what did he do? He did what she asked. Christ told that parable because we are supposed to be persistent in prayer. Sometimes God is wanting to see how serious we are about that prayer. He knows the outcome, of course, but we don't. And it takes faith on our part to be persistent at times. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God doesn't answer. Sometimes God says no. If he says no, stop asking for it. If he hasn't answered, keep asking for it. Pray that it's in his will. Why do we forget that God's our shelter and our refuge? 
Why do we forget He's our comfort and our shield? We may seem to have much in this life and on this earth, but without Him we have nothing. Nothing at all is lost. That's all we are without Him. Dead in sin and bound for hell. And it's by our own cause, by our own choice. Just like it was our own choice to, to ask Christ to save us. To come into our lives and be our Lord. You know, there may be people listening right now, and I just pray that something in this message will wake them up so they see that God is the way. Jesus is the way. Period. Psalm 73, 25-26 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. With God carrying you, giving you the power of the Holy Spirit through His Son Jesus, you can do all things. You were saved by Jesus Christ and as a child of God, one of Christ's own. You have to let it show in you and through you inside and out. Isaiah 60, 1 and 2 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And in the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you and His glory will be seen upon you. Show people Jesus. Now say, for instance, you were to follow through with this resolutions and, and you quit smoking or drinking. You know, Will you accept the heaps of praise for putting those things down or will you give the glory to the one who brought you through? Will you give praise to the Holy Spirit who is going to war with your flesh daily to fight your urges and temptations? What about losing weight? Will you give God the honor when others tell you how good you look? Or will you tell them that the Holy Spirit kept you going and helped you get up and go work out and everything in your body tried to stop you or every excuse came in your mind to try to say, no, I don't want to. The Holy Spirit urged you to eat a salad instead of a piece of cake. You know, if you want to make any strides in anything physical that glorifies God, it has to start spiritually. The things I just mentioned will not be rectified until you first change your life spiritually. You know, many people, many people we know, they've lost weight, they've quit smoking, they've quit drinking, quit pornography, gambling, etc. without God. But what always happens? Always happens. They replace it with another vice. So in essence, they overcame and were freed from nothing. They just... Replace one sin with the next. And we've done that in our lives. Overcame this, but now you got this sin to overcome. John two fifteen through 17 says, Do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. No relationship with any others or yourself compares with the relationship that you have with God, and it must be maintained and nurtured. This is when our life can have true meaning and purpose that bring eternal rewards and not hopeless, vain, Momentary, temporal things. If it is God's will for something to be fulfilled, He will enable you to fulfill it. If something you desire is undesirable to God, He will take that desire from you. 
If a resolution is not God-honoring and or is not in agreement in God's word and will, we will not receive God's help in fulfilling the purpose. We'll just go in a vicious circle. Theologian Jonathan Edwards said, Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. So how should we approach New Year's resolutions then? Your number one goal and resolution this year and every year of your life has to be getting closer to God. Matthew 14.23 says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was there alone. Jesus gave us the example and understood the value of time spent with God in solitude. So you need to make it a resolution this year to set aside some period of time each day for God. Even if your day is packed and you don't have... You talk to Him while you're driving. You talk to Him while you have a moment. Don't forsake God. Talk to Him. That's why we're told to pray without ceasing. That's just talking to God. And if you're talking to God, then the other crap and clutter cannot get into your mind. Have you noticed that? When you're thinking of God, when a, psalm is, a song is going through your head... God's word or you're just speaking to God guess what you're shielded from any outside forces trying to come in and corrupt your mind try it it works another resolution should be to love more we know how important love is to God that's love right behind me Mark 12 29-31 Jesus answered him the first of all the commandments is hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Not some of each, all of it. All of us is to love God. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And I can say with the people out here, What I love about you guys is that you care about your neighbors. And trust me, that is slowly falling by the wayside in today's society. Don't stop doing it. We can never love enough. Ever. We know that. How much we love our kids or our grandkids. We can't love them enough. It's like like you fall in love with them every day. Even when you get mad at them, you know, ten minutes later you love them again. Same thing with your spouse. You love them? Love is truly the greatest gift bestowed upon upon human beings. We constantly take it for granted and do not always use it for what it was intended. Love costs Christ everything, but it doesn't cost us anything. So use it and give it generously as often as you can. Another is to pray to the Lord for wisdom. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man supposes that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Don't doubt when you ask God for wisdom in a situation. Take full faith when you're asking God for something. If you're going to pray to God about something and you have doubt, it's pretty much it's not a, it's not a good prayer. Because God sees your doubt and says you're not ready to ask me for that. So then you get no answer. 
Use this wisdom to fulfill the goals God has set before you and do not go against the will of God. Because all you're going to do, again, is run in that endless circle that will take years off of your life with nothing to show for it. I can think back in my life, and there's many a wasted year that I did nothing for God. You have to always rely on God's strength to help you and heed to the counsel and accountability of the Holy Spirit. If you're feeling guilty about something, you better repent and get right with God. Right then and there. The Holy Spirit is saying, look, this is wrong. You need to get it straightened out. Let the Holy Spirit hold you accountable. You know, you hear a lot of things nowadays, people telling you have an accountability partner. You don't need an accountability partner. People will give you bad advice. Do what God's telling you to do. Do what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Seek Him first. Yes, people will, they can be loving and they can have good intentions, but they're also a sinful human being just like you are. So sometimes they're trying to give you the best thing option for you without hurting you or saying something that might hurt your feelings. God's not going to hold back. He doesn't care if it hurts your feelings. If it's wrong, if you're in sin, He's going to tell you and you need to get on your knees and tell Him that you repent and that you're sorry for sinning against Him. That's the only way to fix it. No matter what we do, we're going to fail at times. That's just us. That's human nature. Human beings, we're going to fail. But do not be discouraged when you do fail. Pick yourself up. Keep your head up and keep going. You can't quit. A Christian should never quit. Use failure as a motivation. You just have to know that there's times where God will allow you to fail. Only because we know it's going to make you that much more of a success in the end of the goal that's set before you. In doing that, you have to push pride and vanity aside. Romans twelve sixteen says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. You're not that smart. Neither am I. But God is. Don't get puffed up. That's what Paul talked about a lot with the revelation that he was given by God. That's why he had the thorn of the flesh. He knew that that would keep him humble. And he knew that God knew that would keep him humble. And he appreciated that fact because if he wouldn't have had that, this would have puffed him up. And he explains that in Scripture. God has his ways of keeping us humble. And we should be thankful for that. Psalm 37, 5-6 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. The temple that God created for you is loved by Him. And we need to give it back to Him so this Holy Spirit can come in and sweep away the darkness and unleash the brilliant light in your inner room. In your inner room. The inner room inside of you that Christ built for you when you gave Him your heart. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The Holy Spirit will illuminate the candlesticks, and the gold that is in our spirit can reflect and shine through because of the Savior and His sacrifice for our salvation. But we have to be obedient and not quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to repent of our sins constantly. We must be ever thankful for the gift that Christ has given us. We must treasure it with all of our might and seek God first in all things to become true conquerors physically as well as spiritually.
Philippians 3.14 says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Give God all that you have and he will do the rest. That's an important point. If we give it to him, he will take care of the rest. But our problem is, is we don't want to give it to him. And the problem is, is the same as we do with human beings. We are afraid if we give our heart fully to somebody, they're going to hurt us. Or if we trust him to do this for us, they're not going to do it right. Or they're going to fail. We come back over to God and for some reason we think the same thing with Him. That if we give ourselves fully to Him that He's not going to take care of us, that's not far-fetched. We do it every day. Every situation, everything that we worry about, if we're worrying, we're not trusting God with it. We just have to remember the same hands that created you. These same hands will protect you and place you where you need to be to finish the race set before you. Romans 12.1 I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. These resolutions that we make will become realities in our life if we allow Christ to rule and reign. Totally without doubt, anxiety, and impatience. Give all of yourself to Him in this coming new year, And be amazed by what God will do in your life.